commencing operation deception in this comic you will learn that just because you see it doesn't mean you should believe it in the grand scheme of lies you must always search out the truth as a famous human writer of your world robert evans once said there are three sides to every story your side my side and the truth and no one is lying with that in mind let us dive into the mysteries and see if our hosts know better Hello, and welcome back to the podcast, where we are currently recapping the events of the Transformers IDW 2005 continuity. I'm Onyx Prime with my co-host here. Hi, I'm Kilobyte. Moving on with our comic discussion for today's episode takes us to IDW Transformers Lost Light Volume 3. And as always, Kilo. As always, Kilo. Spoilers. Spoiler warning for you all. So if you haven't read it, we highly recommend you go back, read the comics, and then come listen to the podcast. Also, we have a goal to reach 500 subscribers. We'll be holding a brand new kind of giveaway we've never done before, so click that subscribe button, tell your friends it's a good time. Now, onwards with the podcast. So, Kilo, do you mind telling us the facts and I'll cover some trivia? Okay, number of comics, there are six issues, 13 to 18. Uh, issue 13 was released January 24th, 2018, and number 18 came out June 13th of the same year. The writer is James Roberts, and art by Alex Milne, Sarah Peter Dorcher, Brendan Cahill, and Jack Lawrence, with colors by Joanna Lafuente. Alright, let's dive into some trivia. Issue 13, you'll never guess this one, Kilo, but did you know... Rapid Fire is revealed to be a member of the Decepticon subgroup called the Guncon. What? I know, and this it even gets better. There's a bot in the same group named Zuka. You'll never guess what he turns into. Um, I think it's a bazooka. Wrong. 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 It's a kazoo. Anyway, a, moving uh, on. You got me. Issue 14. During the flashback, other members of Shockwave's crew include Skip. Wait a minute. The Decepticons currently being used as a transport by Rodimus and company. Members of the Dino Force who, like Skip, would go on to serve under Deathosaurus and named in dialogue but unseen on panel. Howlback, who was not otherwise appeared in IDW continuity. Issue 17. It could be a coincidence. It could be. But given that the Grand Architect previously used the same dialogue from Unicron in issue 15, and his fingerprints are all over throughout this issue. The guiding hands, warming, warning feels like another example of a callback to The Transformers The Movie, where, as an example, Team Rodimus be resurrected, then died again. The gods warn they will proceed directly to oblivion. Oof. I don't know. 
Connections, maybe. <laughs> Issue 18, the panel in which Rodimus makes the deduction that, insert spoiler alert here, is actually Cybertopia, is a recreation of the first panel of the issue, very first issue, I should add, of More Than Meets the Eye, and the end of the quest, paralleling its beginning. Wow. With that in mind, Kilo, can you give short summaries? We'll do, but you with that spoiler, you kind of just summed it all up. <laughs> I, you know, I do my best. <laughs> Cramped inside Skip, Team Rodimus share a confined space. Eventually, tensions rise as the crew spends spends too much time together. The scavengers, accompanied by Nickel, are hired to recover the magnificence, unaware that it is now in the clutches of Scorponok who has a deadly connection to their most dangerous member, Grimlock. Ooh. Full extent of his plans revealed, Scorponok offers the scavenger the easiest choice they've ever made. Death is just the beginning of the next step on Team Rodimus' journey. Rodimus assembles a defense team to plead their case before the Guiding Hand as our heroes get closer to unraveling the mysteries of the Afterspark. And finally, when the truth of the Afterspark is revealed, Team Rodimus realizes that they have unexpectedly reached the end of their quest. And as always, this information has been taken from the wiki. And we also would like to thank all of our Patreons for the support and for allowing us to bring them this content. Yes, thank you very much. Rod stars for you all. All around, all around. You all get five out of five Rod stars in my book. Always. With that in mind, Kilo, are you ready to get started? I'm ready. We open up to Necro World, where some of the Decepticons are attacking our survivors. No worries, Fort Max has it handled. Any favorite scenes from this part? Because I really enjoyed the sick line from Red Alert that he gives to Rapid Fire about taking a knee and it makes it easier to aim. <laughs> that was a very good line. I really like it. Seeing Rapid Fire almost made me think of kind of like a shattered glass optimus in a way because he's purple he doesn't have the green but he is purple and blue and light blue so it kind of gave me that vibe but i mm. do like seeing fangry and that they they made his face actually have fur on it because yes. uh, I, I don't i don't remember seeing that in the last issue but i really like that touch so uh, i don't know if this would technically would be called like a half organic you know like a trans metal but I still like that design, and I really like how he looks. He looks pretty cool. Yeah. What did you think of Fort Max, Red Alert, and the Adventure Bot seeing the Tailgate Isolation Chamber? It caught me by surprise that Fort Max knew Tailgate. And, and I was like, well, he's in there, and it's been a while. So hopefully it's okay. And, and again, in true fashion for the More Than Meets the Eye, or the Lost Light comics now, is they leave it on a cliffhanger <laughs> and they leave you wanting more back. yeah i gotta come back for more well <laughs> fort max and tailgate they were crewmates for a little bit in the beginning of more meets the eye right oh that is true i forgot that yeah, yeah. it's just like i saw him on luna with red with red alert and i just thought he was there all this time <laughs> i forgot that's, he was part of the crew fair. Yeah, he was. He, they picked him up, and then he was part of the crew, and then he left for at one point. Yeah, and then yeah, that's the whole fiasco with Overlord and everything. Yes, yes, I right, remember now. Right. <laughs> so, speaking of back and forth thing, 
Uh, what were your thoughts on the pranks by Anode and Swerve on each other throughout this issue? Because I have one favorite, and it's the fake head and the bomb, the fake bomb, of course. I think they were all great. I really like the bomb, because I was like, of course Swerve would have a bomb, and he would not know about it. Because this, this would be maybe like the third time he has a problem, and he's not aware of it. Like, he had the bullet from the spy... And then he created his own planet, and then he depression. wasn't... Hmm? That, that would be depression. Yeah, he, yeah he, he, he was depressed, but through that he created his, this whole universe, and, then, and now he has a bomb in his head. And I'm like, of course Swerve would not notice. <laughs> <laughs> but so, that was great. Yeah. Towards the end of this... Oh, man, I can't talk. Towards <laughs> the end of this specific issue... Ratchet turns gray, the ship starts to shrink, and t- and by golly, if things weren't crazy enough, Pen learns some new words. What were your theories first reading this event? Well, when Ten spoke, I thought it was just through the beating that he got against the DJD and all of that, something got knocked in the right place, and he eventually kind of learned to to speak again, but he wasn't communicating to the team because they, they're always bickering and talking to each other. And so they don't really think that he's smart enough to understand and do anything like that. So when he spoke, it was like, okay, I need to settle this down. I need to calm everybody down and stop freaking out. So that's kind of what I thought with, uh, with Ten's side of the story. And with the bot shrinking, uh, I didn't expect it to shrink. I thought it was actually going to stay enlarged since the the bot is actually dead, I didn't think like the the side effects of changing their mass this size would affect it at all. Well, we got a hint of that when they were in the Functionist universe, where wrong could only be big for so long, right? Yeah, but they they do mention that wrong could only be big for so long because of the pain and the pressure. But the, since this is a body, I didn't because I felt like in that functionist universe, wrong action like he was the one that eventually decided to shrink down just because he couldn't take it anymore. Uh, but in this case, I thought it was going to be a little bit different because they don't really have any choice in this. <laughs> right. I know it's bad to say, but that's gonna the, the facts at the moment. So flashing back to several years ago, we get a Shockwave, Scorbinok, and the DJD. What were your thoughts on this interaction as a whole? I'm always happy to see Shockwave again, uh, or at least stories of Shockwave, because we've seen him as a villain. So uh, the good thing this is in the past, and it's not going to be, <laughs> it's not right. a villain again. But I like seeing him. The DJD interaction was pretty interesting. Now that Tarn is dead they show his face and even if they showed his face i would have never guessed who he was because it doesn't look uh, like doesn't like look glitch like at all yeah it doesn't i do like his scar but i feel like if he was just using the i feel like his face could have been a little bit more intriguing uh once we actually sh- uh, like saw it like the scar is cool enough but i feel like it could have been a little bit more scary or something maybe he doesn't actually have a face underneath or something i feel like could have been a little bit more shocking I see what you did there. <laughs> but it, it, it kind of felt like it looked a little bit too generic for like for the hype that was behind actually trying to see his face. Yeah. I do like the, the whole interaction between them where Shockwave is like, I know I'm on your list. 
and I created contingency plan. I'm going to give you these 31 prisoners that I just rescued in exchange for my life. And then they're like, no, 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 that's not how it works. I will take you first and then we'll go up the list. You know, there's a process to yeah. this. So I thought I that like, was pretty cool. Yeah, I like how Shockwave was like, that's incredibly inefficient. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's like, that's not how it should work. I'm literally giving you them on a platter here. Yeah. You know, the least you could do is just let me go. But it was right. pretty good. I liked it. So moving us forward, jumping to present day with the scavenger or scavengers or scavengers and I understand Nickel. your joke now. You understand Every... the joke? Yeah. Yeah, because you've I been saying this is the one. This is the one says, they actually say it. Yeah, Nickel's like, they keep saying it differently, like it's a joke or something. Yes. So. They're on the hunt for the magnificence, an all-knowing eyeball, which takes them on adventure against Treecons. Bark bots? I don't know. How? What should we call these? I think... I Woody think cons? This... I don't like that no, one. No, no, no. I like the tree <laughs> ones. I like the tree ones uh, a lot. Uh, Wait, bon? they, anyway, full circle. Know, they got to the root of the problem, though. They, they really did. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave here in a minute. Anyway, full circle from the last time they encountered these things before the first time they encountered Grimlock. They saw these types of experiments uh scorpionok shows up and captures them and we get a little history lesson about grimlock and kill do you mind telling us what happened between grimlock and scorpionok and what did he do to him so grimlock was sent to garris 9 for what he what he did and well he was he ran away from cybertron and then in the maximum dinobots issue eventually he allows himself to be captured and, and he turns himself in pretty much and he t gets taken to Garrus 9. And then while in Garrus 9, the Aquatus computer also had this this relic that they're looking for, but they needed to be it needed to be protected more. And what better place than on the strongest Autobot one man army than in Grimlock's chest. And so they put it in his chest and when Scorponok got out and they got control of the prison, he pretty much, well, he didn't even get control of the prison. He eventually teleported Grimlock out of the prison, and with uh, by teleporting him out, he then tortured him until will, uh, Grimlock willingly gave it up because they couldn't get into his chest. And mm -hmm. because of those experiments and that torture, then eventually Grimlock uh, got into the state where he could barely talk, and we, we get the traditional Grimlock where he's just like simple sentences and simple wording. Yeah. Not it's not man. the it makes you feel bad. It, I wonder what like they actually did, because to get to, to get Grimlock to actually resort to small functions like that when he's this very powerful bond must have taken a lot of yeah. torture and you know time invested in it. Poor guy. Poor guy, well, indeed. My favorite part, not of the torture, uh, is when the <laughs> scavengers make their return. And Scorponok is like, how? Because what happens is, like, Grimlock tears them to pieces because he had, like, a quick amnesia spike from Scorponok, right? Which he then panicked and thought the scavengers were guards. Or, so we are led to believe. And they respond when they are reassembled together when Scorponok's like how they say they simply say you left us to do what we do best panic 
Kilo, <laughs> I can think nothing more relatable to myself and other players in our spinoff D&D series, Transforming Rollout. How do you feel? I think that's perfect because that's exactly what we do. We just panic every single session. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I, I really like that. Oh, I don't know. I felt like when they when Grimlock rips off Spinister's arm when he wakes up and then we see his scene with everybody dead. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like they want me to think they're dead, but they aren't. <laughs> they're like, and I know you're doing a trick here. <laughs> yeah. So like deep down, I was like, I, don't, I think they'll come back. I don't know how, but I think <laughs> they'll come back because because they do show you show you their bodies in pieces so i'm like this i don't know how they'll come back but eventually they'll come back and that's exactly what happens i was uh, i was happy that minister was back and and, and the members right. of the scavengers were back so that's not the weirdest thing to happen here i think the weirdest thing here kilo and i want to know what your thoughts are is the firstborn the firstborn it's an interesting concept i think because they scorponok is trying to create organic life that uses Cybertronian sparks to live because he wants to create a new army since the Decepticons don't have many bots left out. Even though he has, he says there's like 10 million Decepticons left. 10,000? 10,000? Like 10, okay, so yeah. there's 10,000. Well, that's pretty, that's a lot. And I feel like the Autobots usually suffer the most casualties than the Decepticons do. But he's trying to create these Organic, half organic, half Cybertronians using their organic bodies to reproduce. That way they can pr- produce more soldiers, I, I guess, quicker than that they would normally do because they can't create new sparks. So by creating, by putting the sparks in these organics and the organics through their own reproductive system will create new life. And I'm assuming with that, it'll create a new spark. And, th- and I'm like, I guess, but I feel like that's too much too many processes and a lot of work because organics do have diseases and they could fall ill and you can lose a couple of them. Meanwhile, cybertronians do get diseases, but I don't think it's as that common, right? As as the organic diseases. So I feel like it's, it's a little bit too much work for what he really wants to do. Yeah, also humans are gross. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> listeners are The humans are our listeners, Onyx. You can't say that. Yeah, but he's counting on them doing some weird stuff, right? When two humans get in the room, they I, all... I know, I know, I know, I know. And we as Cybertronians do not understand. It's something they do. It's, you know, we just got to move on. So moving us along. <laughs> Theories about the end. Noticing a trend here about a grand architect. Although I hear engineers are better, or so I'm told by a certain human YouTuber that calls themselves a real engineer. <laughs> I don't know. That might be biased. What, what what's your theories about this grand architect? I don't know what the what they could be. I don't. I'm I'm kind of stumped on that one. I I do do not like the decision at the end. I felt like it's a traditional decision for for the writer to do this. We've I feel like we've seen this kind of pattern before in the other issues where they're like they have the solution, but then somebody always are like, no, I got to stay behind to do this. And then they push everybody else out, and then it's always like, oh no, why'd he do that? And the whole point of them opening the portal was so that they could get the the, the firstborn to Garrus 9 so they could extract the spark and put it into the their their old body back. But then Grimlock is like, no, no, I gotta stay behind. Give me the child to me. 
because you know I'm a I'm I'm a vault. I'm an impenetrable. Nobody can do this, and I you, you know I can take them down. And then pushes them through the portal, and I'm like, but the point of the portal was so they could get the baby there. So <laughs> it's like now now the baby's not there, and then half of the scavengers is is at Garrus Nine with that they didn't need to be there because now they don't have an objective. Yeah, so, back to square one, right? Yeah, it just kind of felt weird. It was felt like a weird decision to do. Like I understand Grimlock and now he's back to his old self where he no longer speaks in short sentences. So I feel like he he's more cognitive, cognitive there. So he's more understandable than he was before after the torture because Nickel and Spinister did a couple things and figured out what was going on and kind of fixed him. But I feel like it's a weird decision to set up that they're going to Garrus 9 just to have Grimlock close the door and not... And now they don't have a goal to go to Garrus Knight, so now they're trapped there doing nothing. Yep, they they've been fridged. <laughs> I don't know. So while they are sitting in jail, let's check in on the Lost Lighter, shall we? With a massive matrix peering down on them, and Ten is so happy to be able to take part in conversation that his spark is literally extracted by the giant matrix. At this point, what did you think of the situation at hand? Oh, man. Again, I was happy for Ten. I was happy that he could talk, and and they were all trying to figure it out. And then when his spark got extracted, I'm like, oh, boy. No, not Ten. What happened? But then Such once they... quick death. <laughs> but yes. And pretty gruesome. Like, it's not very gory or anything, but the way his chest kind of opens is like, whoa. Yeah. Um, but once they started talking to them, this is the after spark. I'm like, I don't think so. I don't buy it. So what part did you not buy? It's because like you mentioned, the after spark is because we they, the, the crew themselves start seeing other crewmates that have been killed, such as trail cutter, pipes, and some more confusion, spring arm, tailgate, and eventually skids, dominus, and then another, you know, rewind. Yeah, but I, I'm like this. This cannot be how how it ends for the Lost Lighters. They couldn't have just died, and then now they're in the after spark, and then this is it. I feel like I I was like this. This cannot be how this whole saga ends. Like if they reach Cyber Utopia and it was all destroyed or something, then fine. Okay, they at least they made it. But then now they're in the after spark because they all died because they jumped in space or micro space. It's like, really? That's not a good end. So you and Ratchet have the same idea here. And Rodimus is on the same page and decides to yell at God himself, saying he was a longtime believer, first time caller, and is immediately <laughs> zapped and brought in front of the guiding hand. Kilo, tell us about the guiding hand, or at least the one that Drift knows. Well, the guiding hand are the creators of the Cybertronian race, because parts of them have become parts that make up a Cybertronian. Mm -hmm. And Epistemus, Epistemus, I think it was Epistemus became the the brain module, while. No, Epist yeah, Epistemus became the brain module. The Solomus became a wisdom, and then Amalgamus became the transformation cog. So eventually, with their defeat at the hand of Mortalis, then when they 
that when they became these items, this kind of became part of what makes us Cybertronian. And this was because of a war, since Mortalus started trying to take advantage of other races and kind of trying to enslave them and kind of becoming the only most powerful race in the universe. And so the Guiding Hand had to fight it out. And at the end, when Mortalus was defeated and all is done, then it was just Primus against him. And now that now that the fight is over, now that they've all ascended, they are here in front of you, guiding you into the after spark. And I, I like what uh, I think it's Ultra Magnus asks, "Why are you accepting Mortalus back after all he did?" And they say that even some some atrocities can be forgiven when, like, you can still give them second chances to correct them. So I thought that yeah. was very interesting. Yeah. So Rodimus wanted to be resurrected after, at some point, accepting that they were dead. And um, they were denied, of course. <laughs> and they discover Ward Zero. Yeah, they, it was a building. building. That was pretty much it. And before we are told what happens, Nightbeat says he's figured out everything. Then it also immediately killed off. That one really hurt me. Yeah. Yeah, because you're just like, tell me, tell me what you figured out, and then boom, dead. I was like, you son of a glitch. (laughs) That's the worst one, but it's also when you understand later on what actually happened. I was like, no. And to add to more confusion, the scavengers appear (laughs) in the do not enter room. Theories a holy kilo at this point of all these confusing things happening at the same time. I'm assuming... The scavengers just inputted the wrong code because Nico is the one that gave them the code to Garrus 9. And so when they when they went through the portal and Grimlock closed it, then they appeared in a room that said Garrus 9, but they were trapped in it. It looked like a, a prison cell nonetheless. So um, uh, for that, I feel like it was just like a confusion on codes. And that's why they're mm-hmm. there. Okay. <laughs> well, because we haven't covered more of it, right? I don't want to get into the, the final bit of no, it until we get it. there. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, go for it. No, but well, okay, okay, back to Rodimus and Gang with another fastball special. Man, I swear we see these all the time. A small <laughs> skirmish happens, and we find out what the fleshlings are just as Nautica. I'm guessing my notes might be weird. Yeah, Nautica and the scavengers. Discover they are not on Garrison 9, nor the Afterspark, but they are indeed where? Medary, yeah. Medary, yeah. Kill, what is this medical center attempting to do to everyone? Well, this medical center is a place where you go to pretty much be euthanized. Is that the correct word? I think that's what they use. A euthanasia clinic. It's a euthanasia clinic where when you just want to die happy and relive either your guilt, like if you have somebody that you wanted to say sorry to or somebody you lost and wanted to see them again, this clinic gives you what you're looking for. And then once you find that and you feel content, it kills you. And that's what, what happens to Nightbeat. That's what happened to Nightbeat. Nightbeat was so happy. Because <laughs> Nightbeat... Do you think he actually figured out or he thought he did? And was killed off. I think he did. I think he did. I think it, I think he actually did. But 
the reason why Nightbeat gets killed off is because he has doubts. He doesn't since they think this is the afterlife. He's like, wait, there's still so many mysteries I want to solve. Like, what wrong turns into what his what how useful he can be. And once he figures out where they are, and he sees some crystals, and he he says that he figured out what wrong turns into. He gets killed, and I'm like, no, that's the worst, because he was finally happy because he solved the mysteries he wanted. And I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> he didn't even know that that, that was going to happen. It's not, it's not good. So, Kilo, we yes. know this is not Cybertopia, and Rodimus has the same conclusion eventually, and where are we? Why is the map of the Matrix leading us to here? Well, Rodimus figures it out which I think it's uh, pretty smart of him, mm-hmm. given given how he normally tackles things. <laughs> what an understatement <laughs> you've just made. But they go through the logs, since this is a medical facility. They go through the logs, and they go to the very first entry, and they go through the cameras, and they see the Knights of Cybertron. And they thought that this was Cyber Utopia. Because the Metairie Center gives you what you want. And this is exactly what they were looking for. A place where it's perfect. It's free for everybody. And it's just the perfect Cybertron. And lastly, once they found it, they're, they pretty much are killed off. <laughs> they, don't, they don't show it. But they do mention that there's, I think it was a million bots or 100,000 or 100 yeah. bots underneath, underneath the facility. And I was like, boy, that's that's the worst. I don't like this place. <laughs> you don't like this place. It's like, oh, oh, boy. Like, what a what a conundrum as well, because like you've spent the last two years searching for Cybertopia only to find out it's a death place. It doesn't exist. It never did no, exist. It was all made up by this facility. It's just. Oh, man, it's the worst. It's Speaking the of worst. death, what were your thoughts on Tailgate staying alive on that last page when they discovered that like everything's been fake? All the people who were dead that came back weren't actually back; they're just illusions. But Tailgate stayed alive. I like that it was a misdirection because they the way at the beginning when Fort Max says tailgate and they're like oh no look what happened and then like they caught it off then when you see him here you're like ah he's dead cuz everybody's dead right 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 but i'm i'm still i'm i'm trying to figure out how he got here like what would cause him to appear in this place so far from from where he was uh, from the Necro world right cuz he was buried underground like we we get the scavengers cuz they went through a portal but unless he, through the the chemical process of the radiation and his spark kind of winding down and maybe unlocking a new ability is the only thing I could think of. But that's the one I'm like, please tell me how he got here at least <laughs> in the next volume because if not, it's going to drive me crazy. Uh, we'll definitely get an explanation, just not this time. And we're just going to add more confusion onto the pile until next time. Like spark eaters falling from the sky, which is the last thing we see and we're done. Yeah. So Kilo, is there any other things that you want to circle back to that we didn't cover or any other comments you would like to make before we get to broad star rating? Oh man. What happened? How did they become spark eaters? (laughs) 
That is the question, because we see Perceptor, we see Hound, we see the members of the Lost Light that were with Getaway become Spark Eaters. And I'm like, what? How? The mystery is afoot. How? <laughs> but overall, gorgeous art, as always. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So well done to everyone. Yeah. Oh, I do want to mention, I love, because throughout the whole fiasco at the afterlife, air quotes, Brainstorm has his early, early detection system, and yes. it keeps going off, and he never figures out why. And I like that, it, I think at the one point he had a setting where it was like Megatron's voice, or at least yes. that, that's what it, it, like, it sounded to me. And it was like perfect because it was like going through his speeches and it like every time it was like, this is what I believe for Cybertron. And then it, and he's like, oh, no, this is this is not working. Let me try to fix it. <laughs> it was perfect. It was like one point it was going off so much. He's like, it's overheating and he has to drop it. Like it wouldn't turn off. It's like yes. it must be broken. <laughs> it was so good. Which I like that little Easter egg where like it's telling the readers that this is not real. That this is not yeah. The afterlife, but if you don't like figure that out, then you you'd still be involved in the oh no, they're all dead kind of thing. So right, I, I right. like that little subtle hint there. So Rod Stars, what would you give it? A lot happened. A lot happened in this one. Oh uh, uh, yes. Looking at how long this video is going to be, a lot has happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have to give this one a three point five. 3.5 it's it's low not because the story well, not, not because the story is bad or not, not because the writing is bad or anything like that like i i like all the jokes especially with the a note and the swerve and but the thing that the whole mystery of it kind of i kind of figured out very early just because it's happened before and more than meets the eye in the previous lost light where like they show you something and it ends up being something else so yeah. once they started saying it was the afterlife and everything, I just kind of figured it out where this is not going to be the afterlife. This is just going to be something else. This is always a misdirection kind of before. And I feel like, I don't know if it's just because it's been used a lot or it's been, it happens so constant in this story that I'm just kind of like immune to it and not immune, but kind of like null to it, numb, numb to it. That's yeah, the word I yeah. numb to it. So it wasn't like a shocker to me when they said, I'm in the afterlife. And I'm like, this is probably not the afterlife <laughs> uh, kind of thing. But I did like the whole Grimlock backstory where he's, where he's tortured by Scorponok and like all that. That was pretty good. I, I really like seeing that story with Grimlock. And I think it's uh, it gives it a new twist on it instead of like he him being dumb from the beginning through right. the, the sheer pain and torture that Scorponox submitted him. He kind of his senses just kind of overloaded and he just kind of became a little bit dumbed down. Yeah. No. Yeah. Giving a new life to how an origin of how Grimlock is the way he is, I thought was. Yep. I'm going to come out of the gate and say it's a four. A solid four. Because I, I do think your points are valid. Like, every time with the Lost Light stuff, it's really good in the beginning. Don't get me wrong. When it says, like, nothing what you see is what it seems to be. So when you repeat that scenario, there's a lot of like, yeah, um, this is, um, mm, there's something else going on here. You know what I mean? The whole time. Yeah. Almost, all the time. But I think the story and what they're trying to tell, like, past that point is really good not every quest you're gonna get what you want not every 
adventure you go on is going to be a success. Like sometimes, sure, it wasn't about the adventure. It was about the friends they made on the way there. And that's what I think is really important about these comics. Like especially this one in the Lost Light series. As you notice by now, the quest for Cybertopia was a complete like waste of time in the in in that aspect of it. But when they meet new people, have these adventures and create new memories and bonds with people they probably would never have talked to, that's what made it worse in the end, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree. Cause like more than meets the eye and the lost light have very have been very emotional and I really like yeah. that aspect because we're used to the war aspect of Transformers, where it's just like mm-hmm. shoot, 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 defend, defend, shoot, shoot, shoot. I really like how this is more down to the interactions between the characters and how they interact with each other, knowing that once they were enemies, now they're friends, right? They've become right. friends. And so I really like that aspect. And like every single time, you know, a character interacted with another and they, they, they gave out their, their spark out, it was, it's amazing. Yeah. So with that, listeners, what do you think of these comics? How many rod stars would you give it? Let us know by leaving a comment below. And let us know what your favorite scenes are. Let us know. We love reading these. Or if we missed anything. Yes. As for emails, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email at swervesbarpodcast at gmail.com. That is S-W-E-R-V-E-S-B-A-R podcast at gmail.com. Hello. I have a very important question to ask you. Yes. I'll give you 50 Shanix if you get it correct. Ugh, 50 Shanix. Yeah. Um, any new toys? Tell me about your Twitch. <laughs> okay, we're not. Okay, I see. No, you. I knew anything I said, you would just switch it to the other one, though. Yeah, <laughs> so I, this I is a rip off. <laughs> you switched to the other one? I twitched to the other one. You twitched? Oh. Oh, my friends. <laughs> okay, well, I do stream on Twitch, on twitch.tv slash Prime. It's a, a web browser page where you can catch me live playing games with Onyx and some of our other uh, co-hosts and guests on the podcast. And we play all sorts of video games, and funny party games, scary games. And we talk all about Transformers and... Toys, games, anything in between, comics, favorite scenes, favorite cartoon. And if that's something you're interested in, I've been streaming on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I won't be streaming for a while, but if you do want to be updated and keep up on the the latest updates when I'm going to stream again, you can follow me on Kilobyte Prime on Twitter. Fantastic. Any new toys? (laughs) Any new toys. Yes, I do have some (laughs) new toys. I... Sadly, I couldn't go to TFCon, but uh, Onyx here went in my stead and in his stead. <laughs> and he managed to find me a Steam Age Wasp, which is the Heart of Steel Centurion. Now that we know who he is, Centurion toy, and I really, really like it. I think it's a solid figure. I really like the transformation, how... From robot, it goes into this little train mode. It's not small, but it, it does compact very well. And it comes with a little train track and his hammer. And I really, really like the toy. So I'm very thankful that you got that for me and was able You're to. Absolutely to welcome. Got in. Thank you. Thank absolutely you. welcome. I, at TFCon, I got the Legendary Heroes 
New Age Samurai Michael. Samurai Michael, who's that? <laughs> yes, pause for dramatic effect. It is a multiverse transformer from the Shattered Glass Universe Starscream. It is oh. pretty good. It's really small. It's about the same scale or size as a lot of the Iron Factory figures. So it looks, it fits really well with my t smaller side of the collection or the DJD of the similar height and size. It comes with so many accessories. He nice. has his null ray blasters. He has a, a Megatron gun. He has two swords. He has several different blast effects and a stand. It was a lot. Nice. Yeah. And different head. <laughs> yeah, it was it's fantastic. Can we say can we say yeah. that that would be Starscream's hollow matter name, Michael? That would be his like the name he would Samurai use if he Michael. was gonna... Samurai, Samurai Michael. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. First name cool. Samurai, last name Michael. <laughs> I like that. I always, like that. He always says it the whole thing. Yes. yes. <laughs> now canon Perfect. approved. Yes. Okay. Good. Kilo, are you ready for Transformers Octopus Prime Volume Four? I'm ready. I'm ready to uh, go from from being sad to hopefully be a little bit happier. <laughs> no, you'll be mad. Just you no, wait. Anyway, oh, mad? Okay. Oh, we'll see. If you've enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with your friends and subscribing. If you want to help out the show even further, we have started a Patreon. All the proceeds will go to supporting the show and keeping the lights on. And of course, we have some tiers that offer other forms of gratitude, such as 3D files, entry to our Discord channel, you'll even get early access to our comic review videos a week before the public release. Also, we have a goal to reach 500 subscribers. We'll be holding a brand new kind of giveaway we've never done before, so click the subscribe button, tell your friends, it's a good time. And as always, we hope you are all staying safe out there. Thank you so very much for listening to All Are One. All Are One, and next time I'm gonna make sure Swerve holds the index for you because we need to have professional on the podcast. All right, get out of here. <laughs>
Astonishing. There is also a YouTube channel with bonus content such as video games containing funny comments and a link will be provided below. And if you are so inclined, you can support us on Patreon where you can get even more bonus content such as 3D files, access to their Discord, and listen to content before it is released to the public. More links will be provided below. End transmission.